¿No se merece tu familia lo mejor? Entonces, ¿por qué no los mejores huevos? Ahora, Egglands Best están disponibles en deliciosas opciones. Huevos clásicos de gallina libre de jaula y orgánicos de Egglands, que ofrecen un sabor más delicioso y fresco de granja que le encantará a tu familia. En comparación con los huevos ordinarios, Egglands Best contiene la mejor nutrición como 6 veces más vitamina D, 10 veces más vitamina E y el doble de omega 3 y B12. Solo Egglands Best. Mejor sabor, mejor nutrición, mejores huevos. Visita egglandsbest.com para más información. If you have bills and debt piling up, a personal loan through NetCredit can provide funding up to $10,000 to help you get back on track if eligible. Visit netcredit.com today. All NetCredit loans and lines of credit are offered by a member of the NetCredit family of companies or one of our lending partners. Visit netcredit.com slash partners for more information. You're, you're narrating something, a story for somebody to follow. You know, stories are just really patterns, aren't they? Mm. So, um, yeah, so that, that narrative element was strong in the joculator. Almost <laughs> strong with this one. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think I found one of these poems for you guys. Put my Great. spectacles on. Oh, yeah, th this was one I sent you. Um, it's called To, to My Critics. And it goes oh, like, I read that one. That's a really, I, I like that one. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I put this at the beginning of something I wrote. And it's to, to my critics. Someday you must introduce me to the person you would like me to be. I'm sure we'll have nothing in common. So, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Um, Short and to the point. Yeah. And then the, this one's called Freedom. Freedom is just a matter of making yourself at home in any prison they put you in. Welcome to the Calm Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature, and wellness. And I'm your host for today, Shane McKay, and I'm just dropping in with a brief, brief, brief clip for you and a little bit of video as well of from a show that myself and Chris did with an amazing guy and an amazing Renaissance man, a musician, an artist, a composer, a writer, George Higgs. His work's been in Carnegie Hall and the Kremlin. He's had two exhibitions in the Irish Wax Museum. He's written guerrilla operas. Uh, he's written poetry. I think he's working on his third novel now. I think he's done two, maybe, if, if, if that's right. And George had an album come out this year in April, which you can find on SoundCloud. And it's called Music for Modern Animals. And it's an absolutely fabulous listen, guys. I, I fell in love with it and George's work when I came across it. And he does really, really inspiring work for, from everything from working with the deaf community to people involved in mental health. The guy does really, really excellent work. And you can find out more about George at, on his website, georgehiggs.com. That's George, H-I-G-G-S dot com. We've put out one show with George so far. There'll be another show to come soon on the 19th of November to celebrate George's second album, which he's launching on that date, the 19th of November, Friday. And the name of George's new album is The Sense Ensemble. So I just want to give you a wee taste, a wee, wee, wee taste of what else is to come from George. And guys, really, I recommend checking his stuff out. So here's the clip. 
That's great, though. And I, 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 it must be like a kind of um, a good skill you've picked up along the years of how to actually kind of work in those kind of groups. And I suppose there's a bit, little bit of um, kind of thinking on your feet a little bit as well. Like, I think that is the thing I learned, Shane and Chris, like more than anything else, I learned not to plan too much in advance and just to go with my gut. You know, it's like the heroes. It's the Indiana Jones. Like, how did he know to grab onto that branch? Well, <laughs> when? No, so that's, yeah. you got to use the Indiana Jones approach, you know, the, uh, uh, that's yeah. great. That's, I love that. That sounds like a sense of adventure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, very much. Like, you know, it, yeah, that's the joculator, as you can see on the side, my electroacoustic vehicle. <laughs> and, uh, that, is a an electroacoustic vehicle, which we all know what they are, but uh, I'll explain it anyway. Basically, uh, this thing I built tricycle actually with a uh, friend colleague of mine, Jack Phelan. He helped me weld the thing together um, and plan plan it. Um, I could get inside that vehicle and cycle around, and as I as I pedaled, I would generate you with a with a dynamo like. Yeah, exactly. I would generate an electric current and supply juice to a battery, and the battery would power um, a computer, the speakers, an amplifier. Wow. They're all on board. Yeah, so um, it was part of a kind of Temple Bar festival. I've done a lot with Temple Bar over the years, and so not recently, but years ago, I used to do a lot with them. And uh, yeah, it was quite. It kept quite a lot of power, and I would comp- I'd sit there and compose in it as well. I worked wow. with three players. Um, trombonist, trumpeter, and a tuba, tubist. Um, and we had this kind of, the electric, it was called the Electroacoustic Journey of the Joculator. That's on my website. It's a 12-minute conversation. It's like, name, George Higgs, profession, composer. And, or, what are you going to talk about today? The Joculator. You know, <laughs> electroacoustic vehicle. So it begins like that. And it's all like, at one point, I have these themes that, trombonist and the tubist play and it's like this mating ritual i'm just all coming back to me now it's like that these two creatures these brass instruments are like uh, creatures in the in this in that song um so there's a narrative i should say actually i'll read one of those poems i just found them but i think in all my stuff whether it's just music or it's has words there's a usually a pretty strong narrative element i mean some would call it melody but i guess i look at it more like a narrative where like i say you you say something you say a line and then you elaborate on that line and you bring it back it's all telling a story to me there's a conversation almost exactly it's a it's all uh you're you're narrating something a story for somebody to follow you know stories are just really patterns aren't they Mm. so um yeah, so that that narrative element was strong in the joculator. Almost <laughs> strong with this one. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think I found one of these poems for you guys. Put my Great. spectacles on. Oh yeah, th- this was one I sent you. Um, it's called "To To My Critics." And it goes. Oh, like, I read that one. That's a really. I, I like that one. Yeah, yeah. I think I put this at the beginning of something I wrote, and it's to to my critics. Someday you must introduce me to the person you would like me to be. I'm sure we'll have nothing in common. So, <laughs> that I 
So there you go, guys. That's just a little taste. We got loads that day with George. And uh, like I said, the first part of that show has gone out on Spreaker.com. You can go and find that there. Um, and I highly encourage you to check that out. He does. It's really inspiring, you know, and uh, we're very uh, lucky and, and, and uh, happy to have uh, George on the show to tell us about his work. I find it hugely inspiring and really interesting story. But again, the one to look out for is his second album that's coming out on the 19th of November and we will there'll be another show. So that's it for now, guys. Keep well, happy weekend, all the best. came up with these patterns which were rhythms and i would score the patterns on in music notation then i'd apply these rhythms to melody i'd apply them to rhythmic more sort of percussion instruments and i call them a gestural motif and then in performance there's it's called the sense ensemble study number two and number one on my website um on the works page i think uh we did these performances where the sign language users would execute signs and the audience would imitate them again this participative wow. kind of experience and we use smoke ring cannons as well oh, with, you could smell the smoke as well it was vanilla scented yeah. <laughs> so wow you know uh that was they these are very these are they are called them experiments and studies and that's what they are um and uh, on the album to get back to that I include those sense ensemble studies, the three of them, and also some new work that the Arts Council funded this year, working again with Irish sign language users. This time we they came up with, that's the album cover, working album cover. Um, and uh, the basically we came again, up again with patterns and I created uh, a number of pieces of music based on those patterns. Um, and all this so all the album is all based on gestural motifs and but again like what i find really interesting and you know somebody could say hey george i listened to your album but it just sounds like a bunch of songs that's real fair really a fair point you know <laughs> absolutely 100 percent, and that's what's important to understand is like all i want to do i'm not reinventing the wheel or inventing anything i'm just identifying something that's like anybody that that was always there, just a fact to me that music is multisensory. But sadly, we lack the awareness of that. We've always concentrated on the aural, that the heard experience, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I'm not knocking it. Mm. But I just think that um, we lack the vocabulary. We lack the words to even talk about this. So when I was writing my thesis, that was the hardest thing. It's like, so how do you talk about this stuff? How do you... And everything, when you get deeper and deeper into it, they talk about musical gestures. I mean, the conductor's activity is extremely musical. It's, Our, it's, and eye contact as well, and yeah. body language. and yeah. It's always there, you're right. It is, it's always been there, really, actually. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right, yeah. And again, I think the, the, the Indians had it right with the tuning up. It's like, that's part of the performance. It's all the performance. And I, mm. I learned that early on, I think, as a performer. Like, the minute somebody reads about your performance... 
the show has begun, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, that's a great point, yeah. And then when it came to the album, I started adding the bits together. But it got, suddenly, <laughs> there were so many bits. I remember I started with just one bit. And then I was in the kitchen one night. And I came up with, you know, it's just things just fall together. And that's the adventure. It's just like letting things happen. And again, we were talking about that with conversations, social situations, letting things happen, not trying to be in charge. And th- this idea of the adventure, you just have to let it happen. I think there's a lot of songwriting you have to be there for it to happen, uh, but you have to let it happen. You can't try to control it. Um, and who knows where? Who knows where anything? You know, people say, "Where does the melody come from? Where does your next sentence come from? Where does your conversation come from?" Yeah, yeah. Like you know, there were there were things this month, or uh, yeah, in September there that we we were kind of focusing on here on Can and. Um, like going back to what you were saying, you were just working on something that you were interested in and it turned out some of the stuff that basically we had to see it sown back in July for all of a sudden was very relevant in September. And we're like, how did that, how did that happen? We didn't plan yeah. it that way, but we right. were following our heart and our gut, as you said. Mm. And I think, you know, those three things together, your gut, your heart and your mind, get them balanced and go out and try and do some good work and it does lead to you don't know where it's going to go and that is part of the excitement um because once yeah. you've done it a few times you kind of start to go hey this is kind of working what happens next time <laughs> like, yeah yeah exactly exactly these instruments i think shane and i talked in a conversation earlier about you know the pros and cons of just writing music versus building instruments and that's it's a lot of fun but it's a lot of work too and a lot of like again storing things it's like sometimes you wish you just sometimes i wish i just composed you know i'm glad i don't but you know what i mean it's it's hard yeah well, I think I think though I think it's really good. I mean, we were talking George a bit about how like I I gave up music a couple of times over the years. I like I, I, music was all around me from a very young age, and you know I, I I you get sometimes you do get to a point where you kind of go, you know, I just need to step back a little bit. But yeah. I don't. I never tried to get too hung up on it because it's just not really good for your headspace and stuff. You get too hung up on that. And what yeah. I ended up doing was is kind of focusing on some more technical stuff for a while. And then eventually, when I was ready to kind of go back towards music, I came back with such a fresher kind of approach that it was. It was. It, it ultimately was great. And I think. I think it's. It, that's why I love your work, George. Actually, is because you do actually branch out a bit. And I think that just helps to enrich in each each different facet of the work it doesn't just have to be composition like building building instruments and going out into the world and interacting with with real people that's only going to in my eyes improve and and boost the the, you know what's at the center of your work yeah i guess you're right yeah and i was just thinking too what you're saying that about going out and i was thinking about the the album the music for modern animals album and one thing when i listened back to that um, I'm seeing something. It's smiling at me. But not a friendly smile. The worst smile I've ever seen in my life. 
Do you see it right now? Smile, rated R, only in theaters Friday. I think of all the songs as kind of an adventure, like an adventure starts at the beginning of the song and you go somewhere on the adventure. And I guess that's the way I think of all music, whether it's building something, it's like an adventure and you're ta- tackling this adventure. You're literally going out. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's like the night errand. You go out in the forest. You don't know what you're going to encounter. The Indiana Jones, you're going to deal with it though. And that's the way a song is for me. And at the end, you bring them home again. That's, that's it, very, it's yeah. that's very insightful to to listen to you talk about that. Um, just just that, and for people as well in general, I think an insight into how does a composer actually approach work? Where does it come from? And it's not, uh, yeah, I don't think there's like a manual on it as such. Mm. It's it is same yeah. way as music is experienced differently by everybody. I think it's created also in a very unique way by by yeah. each person. Very welcome to the Cowboys Projects podcast, where we love to talk about culture, arts, nature, and wellness. And today we've got a very, very special and exciting show and a great guest, a fabulous guest, uh, a real yeah, Renaissance man, I would say. Actually. Oh, yeah. We've got George Higgs today, haven't we? Yeah. And George oh, Higgs Charles. He's a composer, a musician, a writer. He's written poetry. He's written operas. He's working on his tours novel at the moment. And his body of work. They were mostly guerrilla operas, weren't they? Yeah, we'll have to get into that, actually. It was kind of an interesting project. Yeah, like, how do you you teach a guerrilla opera? Like, (laughs) we're going to find out anyway, I hope. But uh, let me just, I'll pull up some of his stuff here before we invite him in to chat with us. Um. So there's George's SoundCloud. You can check. He's got, he had an album come out this year in April called uh, Music for Modern An- An- Animals. And it was actually kind of what caught my eye at first. One of the things that caught my eye anyway, at least. Um, so I definitely recommend check out George on SoundCloud there. There's the artwork. Um, let me see. Can I zoom in on that a little bit? That's, um, I think he said it's a 14th century wood cutting. Uh, I recognized yeah. it. That's put some Pythagoras stuff there. Yeah. I don't know how well you can see that. Uh, around November, maybe around November, might, might be a little bit after. Uh, that's the Scent Ensemble, which is uh, the main topic we're going to talk about today. Um, and we'll get, we're actually going to, we're going to pull in, uh, pull in George. Hey, George. Hello. How are you how doing? Are you? Nice to see you, Chris and Shane. Yeah, great Hi. to have you here. Uh, we were just telling uh, the lovely audience about your upcoming album. Great. So the sense yeah. ensemble, you're telling me it kind of it relates to um to the hearing impaired and deaf people then. That's right. Um yeah, I worked um for probably about ten or a few more than that years uh with deaf musicians and deaf audiences. So mm-hmm. over that time I developed some different techniques you can talk about later that I used with them to kind of generate music that's uh multi sensory. Wow. Yeah, that's a really interesting topic, actually. And we were chatting a bit about it uh, before the show. And you have some really insightful ideas to do with that. That You were kind of saying to me how music is 
basically multi-sensory anyway. Yeah, yeah. So often you wonder when you're setting out to create multi-sensory music, if you're in fact doing anything new, which actually is a really good question. Um, so anyway, we can talk about that too. Mm, yeah. And I heard what Chris said about gorillas. We could talk about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't. I, I did forget to read out your bio, but I suppose I'll, I'll run over it quickly there. Um, well, I did read out some of it, but your stuff has been performed in in uh, Carnegie Hall in in the Kremlin. Uh, what else? You, you do some great work with uh, the Waterford Healing Arts, which hopefully we'll get into at some point as well. But yeah, Chris, seeing as you asked, will we? Like, could you tell us uh, about this gorilla opera? Project yeah, you should on. always uh, you should always undertake that work in a cage, of course. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> strict uh, supervision. Uh, mm. The gorilla aspect was that the opera was performed on the street. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, oh, I, I, I got that. I know, I know <laughs> for, for the be- I know you did, Chris, but for the benefit of the people who can't see the word written out, yeah, it's gorilla, like Che Guevara kind of gorilla. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, so. We used to advertise it on the street and did a few performances on the street. Um, it was basically sing spiel kind of a song spiel kind of thing where you have just you know, uh, yeah, I guess Kurt, you know, Kurt Vile, I would have loved that kind of stuff. Um, mm. kind of it's quite dark humor, very um, indie, I would say, is probably the yeah yeah the band was on the stage always that was one part of it um and it was kind of just a band we called the bread and circus band actually i always liked that name of the band the bread and circus band it was a double bass drums i was playing banjo played guitar and there was um sax player and a bassoonist actually at one point and a clarinetist and actually a, a romanian gypsy he was a gypsy uh accordion player yeah, you do quite a lot with brass and wind. I saw that um, you sent us some photographs. I'll pull those up in a little bit. Actually, there's one here we wanted to ask you about. Uh, yeah, what's that? It's a, a trombone out on a, 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 a on a boat somewhere. Um, oh, yeah. Let me pull that up for everyone. Sure. There we go there. What's going yeah. on there? Um, a tr- trombone on a boat. Yeah, th- that was called... Uh, a float. It was a performance I did in Arklo, which is in Arklo, uh, yeah. on the Evoca River. Uh, so I was working with a, the Arklo Boat Club and a group of um, a, a brass, I guess they're like a quintet, sextet. And I, I don't know if you can see here, I have oh, my trombone yeah. up there. I just actually pulled it out of an attic the other day. One of the joys of my my life is that I have a million different of these instruments. Maybe we'll talk about in storage and I'm always kind of stumbling upon instruments as well. Just normal instruments like the trombone. So I actually just picked up the trombone again last week and started playing it. Oh, lovely. Watch my children's alarm. (laughs) That's the thing though. You do pick up a lot of accoutrement as you go on. Like, you know, I tell you what, Chris, it's like, I remember once I was carrying a, some piece of some instrument, I can't even remember, across <laughs> near Pat, Patrick's Cathedral. I remember I was with my son. I had my bike here. And I had the plan. I was going to bring that and I'd cycle back. And my son was with me. He's like 11 at the time. He's 26 now. And he was like, Dad, no offense, but when I grow up, uh, I, I plan to do something a little more stable with my life. <laughs> I was like, we'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. yeah, I was, no. yeah. I, I, I'm going to try and encourage my son to do a real job too. 
<laughs> never works I know. Uh, but George no, no, so no. I know we, we do jest because like I have to say I found um, when I discovered your work I found it really inspiring just to see mm. you've been so active over the years and gotten a lot of recognition as well I would say I think that's kind of fair to say but I really like to see the way you've applied your work um, to kind of how it can actually be very therapeutic for people and um, you know, it really does seem to, you know, you're not in the, in the, you know, as I would say it, the, um, commercial end. Like, I think art, it is important that art does have a commercial component so we can reach people with, with what, what, what we have. But it's very refreshing to see that you've been, you've been working for so long and, and, and your work is so varied, actually. I mean, you, you have, you've got poetry and everything, don't you? Yeah. I think, um, just thinking about this in advance, um, and maybe chatting with, you, Shane, uh, previous to today's conversation. I think one thing that's really important to me, or just just a fact that I guess I came into the business I'm in, if that's what you want to call it, because I guess out of necessity, you know, basically it's like a survival thing. Um, I didn't think about it at the time, but I guess I kind of depend on music as much as for my kind of living is just to keep going I, I actually i was work, walk, working in waterford healing arts trust yesterday and one of the clients they call them they're you know essentially patients in the mental health services care unit where i work um she, she i was kind of laughing away and she's like how do you keep so happy and i said you know i don't think i'm happy all the time but um i said you know, i think music is a really important thing and uh, i guess every single day i get up in the morning and live my day, do my thing. I think how lucky I am that I, I got involved in music. You know, it's just like, because uh, the good thing about music is you can be down with it. You know, if you got the blues, you, you sing the blues and you feel better. Yeah. If you're singing that's sad. What, isn't it ironic? Is that like when we're feeling sad, we can sit, sing sad songs and we feel better. Like, yeah, and it's not about trying to avoid it. It's just about settling in with that experience, you know. Uh, I think traditional Irish music has that kind of pegged where the more depressing the song is, the more upbeat the tune. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very interesting to see, I think, with Irish music, how different cultures like the American Irish culture, how they identify with it and how hmm. real actual Irish people identify with it. It's very interesting to see that kind of whatever... Um, kind of uh sad ask the sorrowful aspect how it can be uh how it can be used in those different um with those different audiences you know that's always interests me how different audiences um react to different things you know and mm. i guess I, I spent a lot of my career thinking a lot about my audience um now that I'm recording, I well, can't. That's great. You know, Joe, sorry to go across. I think that's okay. that's beautiful. Like that, and that I think that is the right approach to take. That it's not like um, your focus is is where I think it should be is the audience because if there's no audience, like, well, what's the point, really? Exactly, exactly. And I think um, I really, when I'm writing a piece, even now, as I say, when you're recording things for the internet, you can't envisage your audience as clearly as say on a street, which is where I often performed a lot of my other stuff. Um, but what you can do is you can think about yourself from the audience's perspective and how I always imagine how somebody's going to listen through something. I imagine myself as the listener, obviously, and what I'll 
anticipate when a certain chord is struck. Oh, it's, a, it's, a great, it's a it's a it's a it's a great way to practice empathy. I think as well is you, you pick up these other skills along the way through music and empathy is 100%. definitely. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And I think that um, one thing about music, I think for many musicians, we're often. I I don't think I'm a brilliant communicator. It's fine today, but like you know, your day to day life and your relationships, maybe you, you have challenges and stuff but music offers a way for us to really connect with people in a language and people kind of marvel when they're not musicians but you know it feels more natural so you're delighted when you can connect with an audience and people and i think i'm always thinking out that connection you know and it's kind of a universal language as well because music is international you know absolutely yeah yeah yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. As a, as a, as a subject, that's really interesting, and I kind of find that interesting. How you say communication for you was maybe something you maybe you've worked on, and that would be similar for me and Chris as well, actually. Yes. Um, and growing up and like learning to read and stuff was a little bit difficult for me. But I think ultimately what happened was it made me actually work a bit harder. So, yeah. and that's a that's a theme that seems to be coming up actually a lot around here. That's you know when we're when we're in situations where we have to work a bit harder ultimately we 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 strive and we can really pick up a lot of other skills as we go because of that absolutely um, and the the idea that you have to you know i constantly hear kids and my kids in school say i'm not good at this i really agree with you there that just because you have to work hard at something doesn't mean you don't have a talent because there's so many facets to any practice and, and, you know, it's like that you think you have to have this prodigy kind of um, identity. Yeah. I don't think that's the case at all. I think that it's how you sit with something, however hard, it, uh, however much hard work it involved, how you sit with it once you're hmm. you're working with it. And it's often it's like that. Uh, that's that struggle that's interesting, the struggle with the, the medium, whether it's music or writing or, or mm. painting. I, 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 I totally agree with you there, actually. Um, I find that when something comes too easy to me, I give up on it very quickly. Yeah, exactly. You know, I need, I need a challenge. I need... Nice. I need an obstacle to make me interested. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think, too, it's funny, like... My kids often say, do you think that person's a good singer? And, you know, it, it's very subjective. Yeah. But I often say to them, when I listen to a voice, it's not about somebody singing easily or I don't know what beautifully even means, you know, at this point. But I guess I'm more interested in connecting with something about that voice that expresses something I can I, I can relate to. And even if I don't know, I can't put my finger on it in words. You know, so if I hear a a singer kind of flying all over the scales effortlessly. I'm not saying it wouldn't interest me, but it won't necessarily interest me because it has technical agility or talent. You know, that's not really for for me um, very important. Um, It is subjective though. I think you're right. Like tastes comes into it so much. And I mean, I used to, I used to kind of have favorites, whether it was music or whatever it was, but I kind of got to a point where I realized, actually, I don't think I really have any favorites anymore. Like I love all types of music. I really do. And, you know, given, even depending on what, what mood I am in in, on a given day, I might prefer to listen to one thing or or another. But again, that's part of the beauty of music. I think that it can be the same piece of work can be, can bring different meaning on a different day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. I often think about Irish music, how it was largely an indoor 
experience, you know, a mm-hmm. pub, pub experience. And even in terms of um, just the way it developed, you know, probably you're in little houses and stuff and how that um, transfers or doesn't transfer to different settings. You know, it's very interesting to think about that. And George, so during lockdown and things like that, I know you worked on your your, your album that came out in April there. So how was that process for you? How did you find that? Great. You know, it's like uh, basically about a year ago now, I just suddenly thought I want to get some, um, get some of my music down. I've recorded over the years, don't get me wrong, but most of my work until now has been based on the on live performance. I was really focused on that. If you look at my website, you can see that it's all the stuff that happened outside. Yeah, George's website, guys, it's in the description, but you'll find it at, let me pull up the name here. It's georgehiggs.com. Okay, that's easy to find. George and Higgs is H-I-G-G-S.com. And he's got, I'll actually just pull it up there, George, for them. Um, sure, sure. That's the website there. He's got loads of stuff there's the album we're going to talk about um a little bit in a moment music for modern animals it's a great listen guys i really i fell in love with it actually when i listened to it. it's really varied and um there's a lot of interesting stuff going on as far as uh some of the sounds and um some of the just, instruments yeah the instruments and um that's something else george does a lot of he, well there's just it's just a you can i'll just scan it there look at all these works guys okay that's mm. his performances and then check out his, his music compositions and, and musical interventions there on his website, georgehiggs.com. So um, let me just pull this back in there. Yeah, George, the album, um, you've done, you, there's all, how many instruments is even on that? I don't know, did you count or? No, I haven't counted there. <laughs> um, I'll try to get the trombone on the next one. Uh, <laughs> no, so the, the one instrument i think i, I was going to call it for a while music for glass harmonica there actually already is an album naxos oh. uh, <laughs> you know, ben, Frank, ben franklin invented that glass harmonica they always yeah. played the wine glasses but he put them on a basically a little uh, on a scale exactly a foot pumped yeah and actually people got brain damage because the glass had lead in it back in those days oh, so wow. a lot of glass harmonica players went insane oh, and they got poisoned and died um, well, ben, ben Franklin's fault. Americans causing trouble again. <laughs> uh, so. Oh, yeah. And for anybody who didn't uh, pick up on it, uh, uh, George was born in Pennsylvania for anybody. Mm. Who... <laughs> but the accent is a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been here since I was probably 21. I came over as a student to Trinity. Right. Um, really into James Joyce at the time. So, Oh, wow. Lovely. Uh, Still like and, it, and, it, and his complete lack of punctuation. Exactly. <laughs> no pauses. No pauses. What did James Joyce say? I love. He said, uh, "I think he was writing Finnegan's Wake," and he said, hmm. "I've got all the words. I just have to figure out what order to put them in." That's funny. That's funny though, because for an Irish poet to say that would make sense to me because the grammar of English and Irish is so backwards to each other that that's exactly yeah. what you'd expect an Irish poet to say. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I re- actually, I remember a statistic. It could be wrong. Somebody can check this out now, but they said that all the words total, even repeated words in Hamlet, there are 40,000 approximately. Uh, but in Ulysses, there are 40,000 different words, you know, I always thought that was quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it, do- it doesn't repeat itself at all. No, no. Exactly. And I think I think there's like one full stop in the middle somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely. somewhere there. Yeah. Well, George, I'd, I'd love to ask you about the, that tour track. Um, is sure. it 
think it's COVID mutations number one. And I was asking you about that and you were explaining that some of this was recorded during lockdown and you, you like, was it a 2K radius at one point you were, you were going out and sampling things? Yeah, I, I got some Arts Council funding. I've got a fair bit of funding from the Irish Arts Council uh, and I'm grateful for that. Um, and that was something during lockdown, they had a emergency COVID fund and I applied, <clears throat> my application said, I want to record sounds within two kilometers of my home because we were all restricted, as mm. you recall, uh, to live within that radius. So I, I set about recording these sounds. I recorded my daughter, recorded my son hitting the, it's, uh, the ball against the wall, the slitter against the wall. Um, and I made a, a piece of music called um, Music Within a Two-Kilometer Radius. I think there's a link on my website. It's on SoundCloud. And... After that, I went about, actually, that was me cutting my teeth on the recording program, Logic, I hadn't used in a few years. So then I was, I got my appetite back for recording, and I really started recording that new album. And I took that piece of music and thought I'd redo it without the voices just to have it as a piece of music. And that's what I did. That's why I became COVID mutation number one. Then a few things, as often is the case when I'm recording, I'll be noodling away or rehearsing a bit and I'll get another idea and I'll say, okay, I'll make a separate piece. And that's why on the album, there's COVID mutation, number one, number two, and number three. And I just called them that because they all were offshoots from that original mm. piece. Um, mm. So yeah, I just did it without the voices. Um, so I, I found that a really, that's a great exercise to do something with all these sampled voices or sampled sounds that keep your interest. And it's a really good compositional challenge to then strip all that away and force your audience or force yourself to keep your audience's attention with music alone and i, I find that I, that's pretty much what i'm trying to do the whole time i'm trying to tell a story with the music um but keep my audience's attention so move from one idea to the next and keep enough connections and return to ideas you know it's quite yeah. a traditional compositional approach but i pretty much use that all the time right wow yeah, it's quite fascinating actually to hear your kind of the thought processes and how some of this stuff come, comes about. So, yeah, d d music for mo modern animal, animals. How many tracks is on that, George? Was it ten? They're ten. Ten. I yeah, probably recorded fourteen and then kept. I uh, sent them to a friend of mine. He's like, "Yes, yes, no, no." <laughs> well, that's great, though, isn't it? You, you really you need you need fresh eyes on on things sometimes. I'd, and I'd be really interested to hear those forwarder tracks, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, like really some, sometimes what ends out on the cutting room floor is the best of it really yeah you get out there you know I often think you know there's so much music Chris that over the years that I've recorded or you know had notes for mm. that I didn't use but and there was a time I've I'm another attic somewhere there's a whole box of cassette tapes of all these ideas of me singing in the middle of the night or during the day on my cassette tape record and play or whatever blah, 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 and sometimes it's incoherent. But I've, I've decided at the end that usually you'll get that idea back, but if you don't, it doesn't matter because you just do it again. You know, so I, I used to look at melody as some kind of gold dust, uh, but I don't anymore, funnily enough, you know. Right. Um, I think there's a little bit of a neurosis almost with me about that. It's like I must, I had an idea, I must keep that idea. If I don't lose that idea, 
uh, I was a panicky kind of feeling. I can't explain, you know, and I'm, oh, I have to keep those tapes. I, I, I actually used to be like that as well. Um, but now I just kind of let the ideas come and disappear as they will. Exactly. And the ones that yeah. stick around long enough for me to actually do something about are the ones that I do something yeah. about. <laughs> I, think, I think that maybe you'll agree. I think that um, taps into something much deeper in all of us. Uh, I think all these compositional processes are really just like symptoms of something else. And it's that idea, again, live versus recorded. You want to get it down for posterity. Whereas with the live performance, you're just doing it because hmm. it's there and then it's gone, you know. And, and Yeah, people- I, I think that's a beautiful approach because I think sometimes you, I know like in say in the early days when I was, when I was getting into recording and stuff like that, you know, there would be a sense of kind of like, oh, why does it change the minute I press record? It's not the way I want it to be. But yeah. over a period of time, I just like, you know, just let that go. And, and, and sometimes like we'd be, we'd be d- 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 doing a performance or something like that. And, and someone would be like, oh, did we get that recorded? And I'd be like, oh, no, no, we didn't. And be like, why, why not? And I was like, well, yeah. sometimes things aren't meant to be recorded. It's a one-off. That's a beautiful yeah. thing, like, I think. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And I think um, I think the, that's the other thing about a recording, people. You listen to something and you think it's so representative of something, you know, whether it's a, an iconic song, but for the person that recorded that, that was just one expression of that out of a thousand probably you know in the case of the beatles they played those songs thousands of times and probably that was their least favorite rendition you know <laughs> yeah exactly you know like, oh, ah. it's a wee segue but i'll go on it but you know there's like famously um you know the track from nirvana smells like teen spirit but yeah. apparently the original single version of that sounded a lot better than what ended up on the album because uh, sometimes mastering which is like the the last part when the product is 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 being finalized on the sound and it's kind of to explain it in layman's terms it they just kind of balance the 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 sound so that it will perform better on as many types of speakers as possible but that means kind of watering it down a little bit as well so in other words you can listen to smells like teen spirit on a really good hi-fi and it's gonna it'll like blow your mind but if you play it on you know, a little, uh, a little hi-fi. It wouldn't be. It wouldn't sound as great. So they had to. They had to kind of. It's like the Budweiser model, you know, um, mm. as bland as possible, so that you could hit a wider base. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I find it all really fascinating. Anything like that. Very interesting. Very mm. interesting. Yeah, it's funny about the mastering. You know, so many, as you say, lame, and you know, people that don't get into recording, obviously, which is most people. It's fair enough. And they they put on CDs the the two thousand nine master uh, master versions, and most people are like have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. it sounds pretty good. I always thought it's funny <laughs> to say that because you know I've mastered things, so yes. Yeah. But I think it's just funny. Poor you know the poor average person like the hell are they talking yeah, about? Sound it's mastering. Thank you quite a long time to explain what mastering is. Actually. <laughs> it's actually quite nuanced, a strange kind of process, but very important. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting, all right. And uh, so, and George, you, like you kind of worked with schools a bit and stuff. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Because I'm kind of interested. Yeah. In, you do seem like a, you, 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 te- you teach a bit and stuff. They allow me into the schools. Yeah, they they put it run a metal detector over me and all that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I, I've done a lot of different projects in schools. Actually, at the moment, I'm doing one up in Skull Weir uh, in 
Carrick on Shannon in County Leitrim. Oh yeah. Um, I worked for about five months last year um, with the students in the fifth class. They're now in sixth class. Mm. And we came up with lyrics to a song called The Dream of the Nakabuck. And I've just got some funding to uh, compose music to that. It'll be performed by the school. We are a choir and fantastic. Uh, the Millennium Choir, which is a choir, a kind of very good, high, high caliber, uh, non-professional choir up in Leitrim in Carrick and Shannon. Uh, and it's just being done in the dock, which is in Carrick and Shannon, that theater. And so they, they, they support it as well. But I've done a lot of projects in the schools every year. Um, a lot of times in Dublin, I'm working with students building instruments. Uh, the work I did with the deaf community was originally in a school as well. It was in St. Mary's School for Deaf Girls. It was called at the time. They've changed the name now. Um, but... Yeah, lot, lots of lots of work in schools, actually. With you. Yeah, that's great. And I, I can only imagine, but it must be uh, fairly fulfilling, I think, to be able to... Um... It really is. It's, it's amazing. You know, and I think the central thing I've learned over the years, the most important thing when you're working in a school environment or any kind of like, not just community, yeah, community environment where you're, whatever, interfacing with a group of people in an organization who you're working through is really important. Like who's mm. there on the ground, the teacher or the, in the case of mental health care facilities, the care worker there that can kind of make or break the experience. Um, you know, um, so fortunately I've been, I've been, it's worked really well. I've had really supportive, um, you know, cause it's with a teacher, um, teacher needs to kind of be there to make sense of it to the students otherwise they're thinking well who is this person? yeah <laughs> yeah but that's great though and I, I, it must be like a kind of um a good skill you've picked up along the years of how to actually kind of work in those kind of groups and i suppose there's a bit a little bit of um kind of thinking on your feet a little bit as well like i think that is the thing i learned shane and chris like more than anything else i learned not to plan too much in advance and just to go with my gut you know it's like the heroes it's the indiana jones like how did he know to grab onto that branch well <laughs> when, no, no, that's, yeah. you gotta use the indiana jones approach you know the uh uh that's yeah. great that's i love that that sounds like a sense of adventure yeah hmm. oh, very much like you know it and i again it's funny we were talking about being an artist being like a human dealing with people and you know maybe i have challenges in my life just being at a party or something whereas in a school setting or where i'm working working artistically with people i find it much easier somehow because this we have a reason to be together and i yes. can go with it and yeah whereas i'm the funny thing is the same rules apply in that at the party but I'm more terrified for some reason because it could go anywhere. You know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I do, I, 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 your student, when you're with students or you're in an environment where you're learning, it's 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 a fairly safe environment. But like when you're out there and dealing with people, it's it's it gets a lot more random. Like it does. It does I, I I don't like going to parties unless I'm working at them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I can understand. Um, I. I at this stage of my life, um, my persona is more comfortable in parties than my personality. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly, exactly. 
It's strange, isn't it? But as as we probably all agree, the rules are really the same. But for some reason, it's it's difficult to take that next step. Which which a lot of people I know don't have a problem taking. They just don't think about it too much. Don't think yeah. about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's no, it's nice. Like I said, sitting in there yesterday in Waterford with this woman, she's like, "How do you get through your day?" Basically, is what she was asking me. I was like, "That's a really good question." You know, and like. She's in this mental health care facility. Mm. I've got the same, similar issues, you know, maybe not to the same degree that she does, obviously. But it's, I love her because I really feel we've all got that in common, you know, anxiety, um, insecurity, uh, battling our lack of self-esteem, even if you're seem like the super confident Wall Street type, you know, we're all battling with Absolutely. issues. Yeah. And we're all vulnerable, George. And that's something we do yeah. talk about on here. You know, we really are all vulnerable. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I do see it that on, you know, on days that we can help people, you know, I, for me, I f- feel that's a responsibility for me to be able to help people when I can. It's not yeah, always it's possible, <laughs> you know, but. Yeah. But I mean, probably the only way we can help people is by letting them in on our own act, you know, letting them mm-hmm. in on what we do and, you know, uh, sharing that with them and hearing hearing them that's a big thing isn't it you know hearing yeah, big time what they've got yeah yeah communicating <laughs> yeah that's it yeah because we uh, yeah I think you're a great communicator though George I don't know that's um, um again if it's a setting you know if you're sitting there and I'm talking with you guys you know and I had a great mm-hmm. chat chain with you a few weeks back and every time we talk a great chat with you it's funny when you hit it off with somebody and you have lots to talk about it. It's a wonderful thing. And I was telling my girlfriend later that day, I was like, yeah, it was really satisfying. And, uh, but it, you can't count on that every time you meet somebody, you know, cause you're, you're both of you searching for something to talk about. Hmm. And you get ner- I get nervous. I'm like, oh, geez. yeah. But you know, I think <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like the more we kind of, the more we kind of push ourselves a little bit, like in a safe way, just to go that little bit out of our comfort zone, our yeah. confidence really, really um, benefits so much from that. Yeah. What are you laughing at, Chris? <laughs> uh, um, I had pretty bad social anxiety and, you know, whatever, being, being terrified of crowds. So uh, how I got myself over that was to become a historical reenactor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and have to talk to large crowds about history and, you know, whatever, like, so yeah. I just kind of, I just kind of plunged myself in, like, you see, I used to suffer with a thing called phobus phobia, which is the fear of fear. So things that made me nervous actually started to develop into phobias. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Maybe. So I had to kind of eradicate myself of my phobias. Yeah. 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 Cause I was, I, 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 was, I, was, I needed semi enclosed spaces to feel truly comfortable. Cause I was a little bit agoraphobic. And you know, claustrophobic. <laughs> no, Chris, it's good you're bringing this up and we're bringing this yeah. stuff up because I think right now the whole planet has a sense of loss and there's a lot of anxiety mm. out there. And we were really a lot um, this month, uh, George, um, or last month, we were talking a lot about mental health and wellness in general. And um, as it happens, we have we have a guest coming in uh, that will be playing this week. She's already been on, but she's going to talk a bit about depression and how she's kind of coped with it. And as it turns out, mm. It's actually um, Aware Mental Health Awareness Week, so okay. we're gonna me- we're mentioning them as well because they're they do great work actually. Aware, um, yeah, yeah. So they're out there, and we just kind of we do like to, to kind of like just right. be like, look, these are good things to talk about. We, maybe not every day we feel like talking about it when, but when we do, it's you know, 
there's so much stigma out there and that is one thing we're trying to actually kind of really just just get rid of like get the conversation going to kind of you know so if people kind of feel a bit more comfortable and safer talking about these yeah. things because it should have been like that already but with the amount of anxiety the pandemic has brought now it's actually I, I would say it as survival now you know yeah. that and we do need to kind of lean on each other and be sensitive toward each other and talk and that's how I think we can move forward um, and you know we've a lot of work ahead of us really as far as the environment and all that stuff but yeah I think like uh, in terms of mental health it's like everybody we all have physical pain we all have emotional pain and maybe the pandemic made people have to they had fewer distractions they couldn't they didn't have as many distractions from that that pain mm -hmm. but i was just thinking about it as you go through your day if you have a headache you're like oh maybe you should take a aspirin you know the thing is you know other than drugs which can make things worse not much there aren't any aspirin for those feelings so you kind of ultimately whatever remedy you find it can only you know whether it's pharmaceuticals legal or illegal um you know prescribed by a doctor you still have to come off those things eventually um and deal with it on your own so mm -hmm. we've all got that in common and mm -hmm. the myth of course that, that's being debunked in recent years thankfully is that it's this thing for insane asylums and they're they're crazy you know or, yeah well. and like hollywood probably has a lot to do with that as well you know that the, the real reality unless you've had it in your life and you've 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 you've, you've known people or you've had experiences around that um it, it is kind of hard to know and that is one of the reasons it's i think it's good for us to just kind of talk and share a bit yeah and demystify it a bit like mm. you know take away some yeah. of the stigma like yeah that's it that's it. I Take mean, away all the stigma. That's what be. That'd be better if we can get rid of all the stigma. Ah, uh, well, stigma is something you chip away at. Yeah, you can't. You can't just pull it off like a plaster. You know. No, you're right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. for me, it's like relief. And that's the same thing with music. Again, I think the thing I feel when I hear music, like um, even a piece of music three hundred years old or something, or maybe especially, mm. so if I feel the pain expressed in a piece of music, the pain and the joy, you know. I'm relieved that somebody else felt that way. And I really like if it's a Chopin piece of mm -hmm. prelude, this one in particular, that I just say, God, that's so satisfying hearing that this person had that pain and mm -hmm. I have that pain Yeah, because it, 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 it reduces your isolation. Yeah, yeah. And that's mm -hmm. such a, we've, we've, we've been talking about that for the last few weeks now about isolation and... Um, uh. Like for me, in my own thing, I was telling you, George, it wasn't something you've you've, you've heard of before. But I've been suffering with uh, chronic fatigue, ME, CFS, and one of the big part parts of that is isolation because a lot of the time I'm I'm you know not quite bed bound, but a lot of patients will be bed bound. Yeah. And um, I for years, like I kind of thought, like ah, sure, I've gotten used to the isolation; it's grand, you know. And then, like literally, just that. We had the second Christmas in lockdown and we got through that. And then I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm feeling really isolated. And I decided, yeah. do you know what? I'm going to reach out and I'm going to, and I got in touch with a, an ME support group. And I'd really encourage anybody out there that's feeling kind of isolated or anything to go and look for help. The help is really out there, guys. And there's more help than ever now. And people are, people are ready to listen now. And it can be kind of a, a little bit scary to think about talking and all of that. But I really would encourage anybody feeling isolated to go out and, and like I said, in a safe way, push your, your 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 comfort zone just a little bit, and be amazed that I don't know how many times that 
I stood, I, I, I stopped myself because I was feeling my confidence wasn't there. I was like, oh, I can't, I can't go and do this. And but I just pushed myself that little bit. And you know what? I went and I had a great yeah. time. That's great. Yeah. Well, but anyway, that's all of that, George. I want to. I'm keeping an eye on the clock because we're get we're getting through. So time flies when we're having fun. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. There's a picture here. I gotta ask you what this is. What what is this? That's oh yeah, that was called the Lost and Found Sound Assembly, and uh, that was project I did in St Mary's School for Deaf Girls, um, where we went to these bring centers, recycling centers, and collected different objects uh, to, that were have musical potential, sound generating potential, and kind of out of those things with the girls and on my own i crafted this instrument called the lost and found sound assembly and the the reason it was called the sound assembly was the idea that we would take all this stuff and publicly in temple bar in that case and actually we did it in the bring center in rings End, the rings End bring center there's a video of it, link on my website to it on vimeo um we would assemble it and the assembly of the instrument was an aspect of the composition. So it kind of scored the assembly. Um, maybe some of the uh, listeners know about um, in Indian music, tuning up the instruments is kind of part of the performance. Yeah. It's, and they do it mid song and everything like, yeah, it's, exactly. It's, it, it's incredible. Like, yeah. And uh, that was part of the sound assembly. And the idea is that um Building the instrument is the instrument, you know, um, which I, it's kind of a, it's not just the kind of a, whatever elegance of the concept. It, it's kind of true in a way. It's like uh, when people are looking at an instrument, like a bass or something like that, you kind of think it's a finished thing. They're like, oh, that's the bass guitar. Mm-hmm. Like the bass guitar always existed. But in fact, the bass guitar is as people know, but it's developed over a long period of time to become that thing, but it's still developing. You know? yeah, yeah, oh, and there's, there's like divergent evolutions and stuff. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Was it the Bayako, the Japanese instruments, which is okay. like a bass. Yeah. Yeah. But like the neck is mobile, so you can stretch the skin to change wow. the tone as you're playing it. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and with these, like that wouldn't have existed, uh, when I was a kid anyway, as far as I they might've had, they're very rare now, six string bass, uh, hmm. Oh, actually, a good, for a good friend of ours, uh, Cahill Bourne, he's a six-string bass player. He's coming in tomorrow uh, great, to do some great. Yeah, astrophotography. Yeah, he loves his six-string. Um, yeah, do you know yeah. the Chapman stick as well? Do you ever sit? Yeah, they're yeah, great. Tony well. Levin and all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Peter Gabriel's baseball. He played with Peter Gabriel and King Crimson. I saw him play in the Man Music Center, in Philadelphia. I, I kind of missed the guitar. <laughs> nice. yeah yeah my favorite practitioners of the keytar are flight of the concords one of my favorite oh, i love Brilliant. flight of the concords yeah, yeah. did you ever hear the um the audio drama i'm, I'm big into audio drama uh, um of the did. i don't know it no i know no oh it was a bbc radio for extra program of the flight of the concords it's like yo they come to england oh, it's what they based the tv show off of Brilliant. i'll listen to it with my kids actually the audio drama nice i'll check that out so George, them. what's this one? That's so that's a permutation of the that was before the Lost and Found Sound Assembly. That was the Jimmy Rig slip jig. And that was that's in the project uh art center cube, the downstairs space. 
um, and we performed there with a bunch of other composer kind of colleagues of mine. Um, and it was, it was, that had singing as well. And um, ultimately we did it in the exchange, this place in Dublin. I don't know if the exchange still exists. I think it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I hope so. It was good space for younger people. Mm. Uh, but we performed it in there. Again, we assembled it on the go as part of the composition. Um, and that was great. It was great. Actually, I really, actually, I must in the upcoming albums release that music because I was very pleased with the music at that. You know, it's one of those things, again, a very live experience. Uh, and the, actually, the song we're performing in that picture is Tin Can Undrum. So it's the, the drum that the guy has the bass treadle pedal connected to is a jerry can so it was a tin can undrum it's not a drum and so that's the whole song they just say tin can undrum the whole time i, I, I actually made an instrument once long time ago yeah it was called the, it was called a cider harp <laughs> and it was made out of two cider cans and some de- wooden dowel and elastic bands between them oh nice so you kind of put the stick of one end of the the harp on your shoulder the other end in your hand and the can is in the middle of that yeah, with the elastic stretch between the two cans and a similar sort of jig on the bottom, oh, so that you, you can, you know, yeah, rotate yeah. your arm to increase the tension. Like, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny how easy it is to make like a little base out of a tin can and a stick and attach hmm. a string and put a little pickup on the bottom. And there's yeah. a great the chorus in "Let's Get Loud" when Jack White makes that. Uh, guitar right there with the cows all around that's a great scene actually oh man i don't know if I, it's I've check that out it, yeah. i think it's the beginning of let's get loud that film with who is it the edge jimmy yeah. page and jack white it's quite a good film actually and just a great scene at the beginning jack white's nailing this basically puts this makeshift guitar together with slides like and these cows are sitting <laughs> off the field <laughs> and the movies, so. oh, very good, good. So go, to go on a, on, a, on a minor skew, George, you sent us a couple of your, a few of your poems there and it, we have you, we do have you on a promise that you'd, you'd, you'd read us a little bit of it. Okay. Are you, how are you feeling about that? Would you yeah, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, they're really short. Brilliant. So, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, people don't need to worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, we'd, love to, we'd love to hear some of that. Cause, um, okay. I actually have to fi- find them actually to read them though, to be honest with you. Oh, oh, yeah, I okay. think I sent them to you in a mail. I have them in it's, an email. That's very uh, unpoetic of me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I probably I should have had them here. I, I remember yeah. when I was in high Let's school, see. I was writing a novel, and this guy's like, George, are you writing on a typewriter? I was like, no, I moved a computer. He's like, you should write it on a typewriter. <laughs> Not very. There, there is a lot of aesthetic pleasure to a typewriter, but it has to yeah, be yeah. one of the old ribbon typewriters, though. Like the, the, the brother electronic typewriter is not the same. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, real ink, like, actually connecting to the paper. Like, yeah, there is something about it all, right? Now, George, you could tell us about this if you want while we're, while we're, while you're having a ramble there. Um, Yeah. I don't, can you see that on screen? This other uh, installation. Oh, yeah, that's the joculator, as you can see inside my electroacoustic vehicle. (laughs) And uh, that is a an electroacoustic vehicle which we all know what they are but uh i'll explain it anyway basically uh this thing i built tricycle actually with a uh, friend colleague of mine jack Phelan. he helped me weld the thing together um and plan plan it um 
I could get inside that vehicle and cycle around. And as I, as I pedaled, I would generate you with a, with a dynamo like, yeah, exactly. I would generate an electric current and supply juice to a battery and the battery would power, um, a computer the speakers an amplifier. The wow. roll board. Yeah. So, um, it was part of, a kind of temple bar festival. I've done a lot with temple bar over the years and so not recently, but years ago I used to do a lot with them. And, uh, yeah, it was quite, it kept quite a lot of power and I would, comp- I'd sit there and compose in it as well. I worked wow. with three players, um, trombonist, trumpeter, and a tuba tubist. Um, and we had this kind of the electric was called the electroacoustic journey of the joculator. That's on my website. It's a 12 minute conversation. It's like name, George Higgs, profession composer. And, or what are you going to talk about today? The joculator. You know, <laughs> the acoustic vehicle. So it begins like that. And it's all like, at one point, I have these themes, the trombonist and the tubist play. And it's like this mating ritual. I'm, I'm just all coming back to me now. It's like that these two creatures, these brass instruments are like uh, creatures in the, in this, in that song. <laughs> Um, so there's a narrative I should say, actually, I, I'll read one of those poems. I just found them, but I think in all my stuff, whether it's just music or it's has words, there's a, usually a pretty strong narrative element. I mean, some would call it melody, but I guess I look at it more like a narrative where, like I say, you, you say something, you say a line and then you elaborate on that line and you bring it back. It's all telling a story yeah. to me. There's uh, a conversation almost. Exactly. It's a, it's all, uh, a, 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 you're, you're narrating something, a story for somebody to follow, you know, stories are just really patterns, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So that, that narrative element was strong in the joculator. <laughs> I'm more strong with this one. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, I think I found one of these poems for you guys, put my Great. spectacles on. Oh yeah. Th- this was one I sent you. Um, it's called, to to my critics and it goes oh like, i read that one that's a really I, I like that one yeah yeah i think i put this at the beginning of something i wrote and it's to to my critics someday you must introduce me to the person you would like me to be i'm sure we'll have nothing in common so <laughs> yeah um short and, and to the point yeah and then the this one's called freedom Freedom is just a matter of making yourself at home in any prison they put you in. So that's the way I've often felt in my life, you know, uh, just like, what's the problem? You know, (laughs) you're sort of sitting there on your own. I think everybody relates to this, like having a bad day, like, what's the problem? Like, you know, really, like, it's all about, again, you could have money troubles, you pretty much always have money troubles don't you uh you can have relationship troubles you always have relationship trouble (laughs) even when things are good uh what's the problem (laughs) what 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 why why, what's wrong with me (laughs) yeah what's what's right with me you know (laughs) yeah uh i was thinking that today it's funny just this image maybe it will make sense to you i dropped my daughter off at school and i saw another parent dropping their children off and i saw one of the little girl's eyes catch my daughter and she's a bit younger and i was thinking probably what she's thinking oh there is eliza that's my daughter i want to go talk to her and i was thinking of that urge when you're young to be in the center of things where it's happening mm-hmm. you know it's like that urge and, and i was like god 
glad I don't have that anymore. And it's like, <laughs> a minute, I, I do have that. Like, you know, it's like you make these albums, you make the joculator, you make, you know, and you do it. What what motivates you to do these things? I don't know. But there is that thing you want to be. You want to be something, you know. I think it's connecting, yeah. isn't it? Connecting with yeah, people it is. is... It is connecting. I think that's the healthy aspect, but I think there's also the unhealthy aspect is about being something. So even if I say I don't want to be super famous or super rich, I probably still want to be something, whatever that is, whatever that means. Useful. I think we want to be useful, isn't that? They say like, oh, you can be anything. It's like, I just want to be useful. I don't want to be anything. (laughs) I remember years ago I invented... I think I told you the Shane, the Kahuga phone. It's one of my favorite inventions. Yeah, I really wanted to get onto that. <laughs> yeah. It's a machine designed not to work. And my dad actually was a patent attorney, a patent attorney, we mm. say in America. He's a patent attorney. And I said to him, seriously, on the phone one day, kind of messy. I said, Dad, can I patent my Kahuga phone? He's like, what? And my dad often got kind of a little bit short and impatient situations like this. I'd be like, it's, it's a machine designed not to work. He's like, it must be something useful. Anyway, because <laughs> <laughs> my dad had spent years, like, basically, I grew up in my house. We had scratch paper, you know, stuff you could draw on. It was all this, like, A, long sheets of paper. On one side, it was blank, and we'd draw on those sides. And on the other side, it was all these diagrams of machines and actually fibers, because using textile fibers, they break fibers up into their component parts you know into the very nitty-gritty of a fiber Mm. Um, that's what my dad did he's worked with inventors on what made this fiber unique whether it's dacron or rayon or whatever it was they were inventing and patenting so and it was always fig one you know figure one figure two and so it's funny when i think back on it all that exposure to these kind of crit which i had no idea what they were yeah but it is still has an impact for sure like yeah 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 absolutely it's then when you I come think, across it later in life, you just, it's a sense of, uh, there's a remembrance, you feel comfortable with it, like, you know, so. Yeah. Whereas for other people, maybe, who, who wouldn't have done as much technical stuff until later on in life, it's a bit like, oh, what is that? Like, that's, you know, whereas really you just, it's like anything, you just give it a bit of time. And yeah, you, yeah. You know. Well, yeah, it's funny about the, you, this, a bit of a theme in today's conversation is this idea of things coming easily. You know, th- certain things come easily to me, certain things don't, and probably, the building aspect didn't. I was more fascinated with that later. My dad had zero building kind of interest. Uh, he had these tools. We weren't allowed to touch the tools. They were like holy relics. You, That's like hear. my dad. It was like I wasn't allowed. I, I tried to tune his guitar once. He's like, don't ever touch it again. I was like, ah, oh, that was me done. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a guitarist from from now on. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. fruits, eh? <laughs> Sorry? Forbidden exactly. fruits. Absolutely. Exactly. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a, it's a real joy to put things together. And again, I think there's always, I always draw parallels between building and, and creating a song, you know, a song has a lot of structure. Um, actually I'm doing a thing called the door, which was a musical door that I kind of came up with and, uh, performed with a few times. And we're going to do it at the arc, the children's, um, theater in, Dublin, they have an yeah. art festival in April of 2022. We're just, oh, just negotiating that at the moment. Brilliant. But I had to, when I, when I do, so I came up with the door in 2012, which is almost 10 years ago, right? And um, 
I have to remember everything, like where it is, of course, where is it stored? Um, then they say, what are the dimensions? Like, oh, I don't have it here. And I must have the dimensions. I'm looking everywhere for the door. But I discovered in going through all, trawling through all my documents on the door, because we did it in Glasgow at the Sonica Festival. We did it in New York City. We took it to New York City. We performed the top of the Irish consulate with the Empire State Building there, the Chrysler Building. Oh, wow. Anyway, I'm, I'm finding all this information and reminded about all this stuff. And then I, the funny thing is when you discover the budgets, it's like the budget for the door and that all the organization involved in getting the door from here to New York, from here to Glasgow, you know, it's like, uh, it's like nobody said anything about logistics at art school. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And all, and all musicians have to deal with those logistics getting from A to B and and it's quite, it's complicated, you know, budgeting, we all do it all the time, but anyway, making these instruments. I think Shane and I talked in a conversation earlier about, you know, the pros and cons of just writing music versus building instruments. And that's, it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work too. And a lot of like, again, storing things. It's like, sometimes you wish you just, sometimes I wish I just composed, you know, I'm glad I don't, but you know what I mean? It's it's hard. Yeah. Well, I think I think though I think it's really good. I mean, we were talking George a bit about how like I I gave up music a couple of times over the years. I like I, I, music was all around me from a very young age. And you know, I I I you get sometimes you do get to a point where you kind of go, you know, I just need to step back a little bit, but yeah. I don't I never try to get too hung up on it because it's just oh. not really good for your headspace and stuff. You get too hung up on that. And what I yeah. ended up doing was is kind of focusing on some more technical stuff for a while. And then eventually when I was ready to kind of go back towards music, I came back with such a fresher kind of approach that it was it it, it ultimately was great. And I think I think it's it, that's why I love your work, George, actually, is because you do actually branch out a bit. And I think that just helps to enrich in each each different facet of the work it doesn't just have to be composition like building building instruments and going out into the world and interacting with with real people that's only gonna in my eyes improve and and boost the the, you know what's at the center of your work yeah i guess you're right yeah and i was just thinking too while you're saying that about going out and i was thinking about the the album the music for modern animals album and one thing when i listened back to that um, I think of all the songs as kind of an adventure, like an adventure starts at the beginning of the song and you go somewhere on the adventure. And I guess that's the way I think of all music, whether it's building something, it's like an adventure and you're ta- tackling this adventure. You're literally going out, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, it's like the night parent, you go out in the forest, you don't know what you're going to encounter, the Indiana Jones. You're going to deal with it though. And that's the way a song is for me. And at the end, you bring them home again. That's that's, very, it, yeah. that's very insightful to to listen to you talk about that. Um, just just that, and for people as well in general, I think an insight into how does a composer actually approach work? Where does it come from? And it's not, uh, yeah, I don't think there's like a manual on it as such. It's, mm. It is same yeah. way music is experienced differently by everybody. I think it's created also in a very unique way by by yeah. each person. It's, oh, it's cool. sorry, Chris. You no, say? you go ahead. I'll, I'll keep my talk for a sec. You go ahead. I was just thinking like the first song on that album is The Great Salty Island. And I remember that riff at the beginning. I played in the guitar and uh, I was playing that for a couple of years. Just I just what what happens with a song? If anybody wants to know, if they don't, they might know anyway. 
But as I just started playing that, I came up with that riff and I liked it a lot. And that's usually what happens. I like doing it. I just like playing it. So I just play because I like it. Yeah. I'm just, keep, saying, well, I'm just saying, it's, yeah. I, I go where, I go where I'm not going to work on something I'm not interested in. That doesn't it, really. <laughs> exactly. But then you think there's got to be a next bit. So you're kind of working on the next bit. And sometimes the next bit, like the second to last song on that album is called The Great Magnifico or The One and Only Magnifico. And that happened. I think I composed that and recorded, no uh, exaggeration. And it all took th- about three or four hours or something. It was very fast. Whereas the Great Salty Island was a matter of years, just where it just sat there and I didn't use it. I forgot about it. And then when it came to the album, I started adding the bits together. But it got suddenly, <laughs> there were so many bits. I remember I started with just one bit. And then I was in the kitchen one night and I came up with, you know, it's just, things just fall together and that's the adventure it's just like letting things happen and again we were talking about with our conversations social situations letting things happen not trying to be in charge and th- this idea of the adventure you just have to let it happen i think that's a lot of songwriting you have to be there for it to happen uh but you have to let it happen you can't try to control it um and who knows where who knows where anything, you know, people say, where does the melody come from? Where does your next sentence come from? Where does your conversation come from? Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, there were things this month or, uh, yeah, in September there that we, we were kind of focusing on here on Cannes and, um, like going back to what you were saying, you were just working on something that you were interested in. And it turned out some of the stuff that basically we had to see it sound back in July for all of a sudden was very relevant in September. And we're like, how did that, how did that happen? We didn't plan yeah. it that way, but we right. were following our heart and our gut, as you said. Mm. And I think, you know, those three things together, your gut, your heart and your mind, get them balanced and go out and try and do some good work and it does lead to you don't know where it's going to go and that is part of the excitement um because once you've done it a few times you kind of start to go hey this is kind of working what happens next time (laughs) yeah yeah exactly exactly but um i think the big thing for me is like we were talking we talked a lot about pain or sadness and emotional challenges but i think a huge thing for me in music is uh humor um i think everything i do i try to put joy into it as well and usually that's what comes across rather than the pain funnily yeah. enough you know that's the flip side of pain yeah. Yeah. joy that's it that was actually my talk yeah. <laughs> that's what i was going to say oh, there I, mean, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say about your music how it kind of has a, a hopeful sort of cheerfulness to it uh, you know it kind of a little bit of humor sprinkled in like it has a sense yeah. of momentum to it as well i would yeah. say yeah i think that's my mom to be honest with you the, the humor my mom mother is a really funny She's a lot of things. She's a really funny, just turned 90. Wow. Very funny woman. She's from England. She grew up in Ipswich during, you know, grew up during the Blitz, the Germans bombing their house. And I think like a lot of those people, they develop a kind of whatever, grin and bear, but a great sense of humor, irreverence, but a kind of harmless uh, irreverence for for things and um, good tendency to poke fun at at things, you know. And uh, But my mom was also, is also, an amazing like treasury of songs. Like my mother would be singing all the time and I'm talking all the time. Like, and you say something and she'll start singing a song with those words. And I would do the same thing with my kids. Like you say, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is, how do you do? And you spring into some song. She, it was all music hall stuff. Uh, uh, so again, and that, 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 that must've had, that must've had a big impact as well, growing up and developing though, just to have that part of your brain engaging 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And again, where it wasn't, you know, my mother wasn't a, a singer or performer, but it was the act of sharing in the house, I think is a probably a, a important part of that. Rather than my mother being some gigging inst- uh, musician, it was about sharing something. And again, what music be, probably still means to me is getting through your day. Uh, that's what it's for, for me. That's what yeah. I use music for. I use to get through my day, yeah. you know, get through my life. Um, and, 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 and it's always, it's always a connection with what's happening. You're like my mom taking the words for a conversation, put in some music and life, uh, like for Joyce was very into that idea. These, these parallels between life and art and his whole thing was, they were the same thing, you know, and turned whatever made Dublin into a novel. And he's basically, that's what, that was his whole thing. This idea of the labyrinth, the, the artist and the artifice and what's the difference, you know, between the life and, the artwork um you know and without getting fancy and highfalutin about it it's true like uh your art becomes your life and, and the the reverse you know which is which is which is really helpful and i think that again that's not a highfalutin notion i think no. anybody just, who loves music gets that you know there's an old expression for that isn't there art imitating life and life yeah. imitating art yeah exactly yeah exactly and, you know, in fact, the funny thing, you know, this mimesis, whatever idea of art, like at the same time, even life is imitating life. That's what we're doing. Like we said, where do you come up with your conversation? Why do I say hello? Because I said it every day for the past, you know, <laughs> 50 years or whatever. You know, it's so. a bit cliche at this stage, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <Absolutely>. hello. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. We'll have to just dispense with pleasantries altogether, you know, <laughs> just sit there and stare at each other. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> great work of art. We we go for the Orwell concept and simplify the language completely. Yeah, yes. you know, it'll be good plus plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, yeah he's it's kind of does actually seem like we're we're going starting to go back towards more iconography, like to, like with texting language now and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which is I kind of find that interesting. Um, because uh, we actually we were talking on a tangent. We were t- we we we, we kind of talk about dyslexia and learning disabilities a bit and stuff like that and. Uh, from my own research, I've discovered how a big part of that is how somebody who who thinks dyslexically is more visually oriented. Uh, their brain works more in a visual kind of sense. And um, so, yeah, that's just kind of funny to see we're going back to hieroglyphics practically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting time to be an artist or a musician. And, and there, there, there's the good and the bad, but with music, I feel it's really positive. I think Shane and I were talking a few weeks ago about this, just how music's more than ever accessible. You know, it has its has its strings attached, and that yeah. which is the pervasiveness of advertising, which you don't notice as much. It's not as obvious, you know, when we were kids, they hit you over the head with the frying pan with the ads, but now it's really kind yeah. of nuanced. It's just yeah. works. Artist, uh, advertising works of genius is what it's like the age of the artist, the advertising genius, like yeah. these algorithms and so forth. Um, yeah. It's, it's mind boggling, but the, the pro is the pros are accessibility. And as an artist getting music out there with very, not very little effort, but very little BS. Yeah. yeah well, it's, it's not, hoops. it's not the way it was before where it was basically a bit of a racket and like, oh. you know, 
Um, there was also like a little bit of a, a kind of a carrot and a stick kind of thing where bands yeah. kind of had these notions of like, yeah, we'll get a record deal and we'll be made. And I mean, Chris, God. we were just talking about a band there. I don't think, I think it's, I don't think it's a big deal to mention them. Was it the Dandy Warhols we were talking about, Chris? Um, it was either them or the Violent Femmes. Oh, no, it was the Violent Femmes. It was the Violent Femmes. Yeah, and, yeah brilliant. So I loved them. And um, they, uh, they, they basically kind of like, you know, uh, 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 back in the day when they were doing that, I don't know what it's like right now, but, you know, a, a record deal was essentially a really, really bad bank loan. And they went off and like, yeah, we're famous and, you know, getting like 500 bottles, uh, dollar a bottle of, you know like the ridiculous expenses and kind of just weren't savvy enough at the time to kind of go uh you know oh we're paying for this are we let's go home and go sleep then you know it was and they were they were kind of tripped out on that 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 um mm. oh we made it kind of thing but it was it's a really um it's a sad story actually so it's a great to see now that we've moved away from that and I'm always interested in in independent artists and musicians and what they are I find it don't get me wrong I still do like actually I do like pop music I like yeah. probably all types of music I haven't well really... it's popular for a reason you know yeah exactly <laughs> I'm not just going to throw that out without looking at it like you know there yeah. was a time maybe when I was more cynical about it but now I'm, I've, I've mellowed a lot and I'm very interested in all types of music really mm. nice that's it. I listen to everything from Abba to Zappa, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or ZZ yeah. Top is more uh, probably alphabetically correct. Yeah, yeah. Frank Zappa for president. What's my favorite Frank Zappa quote? I was a big Frank Zappa fan as a kid, especially. And uh, what was he said? Maybe it's on one of his albums about America. If we cannot be free, then at least we can be cheap. <laughs> that's close enough i suppose isn't it yeah. <laughs> oh lord so george you know what we we, we we could be here all day but we we did promise to be, let people know a little bit about this new project you're on and you're working your work with the sense uh, sense ensemble and your new album that's coming up what's that called um it's the sense ensemble oh. uh the album yeah and it's self-titled hey right? <laughs> I, the Sense Ensemble actually, it was the name of my PhD. I did a PhD in music uh, in, in, in um, the engineering department, actually, at Trinity. So, and it was um, a music composition, an approach to music composition for deaf and hearing alike, basically. So while I was there, I worked a lot with multisensory music. And, you know, we were saying before, all music is inherently multisensory, which is an interesting idea in itself and i guess the basic premise for my phd was music as a whole body you know it's, it's the whole body experience it's um it's multi-sensory but maybe most importantly and this is harder to kind of identify it's participative in that there's a famous study um some scientists did it's kind of nasty because it was um experimenting on animals but basically they discovered that monkeys when they hear a sound they use the same uh, the part of their brain to create the sound whatever sound they think it is how it's created they'll use another part of their brain to create the sound the same time they're hearing it so basically when you hear something you're actively making the sound you're using part of your brain to make the sound the only way you can properly comprehend something is by knowing how to do it like raise your hand, whatever it is, you know, previous experience, 
we spend our whole lives accumulating the vocabulary of different actions, different concepts, but we have to be able to do that as well, at least with our minds. So that's oh, so it's completely incomprehensible. You just can't. Exactly. Yeah. You have to participate in communication. You know, this has been the basis of this conversation, but it's true. You have to be able to create. So you're a snare drum smack. You imagine somebody smacking their snare drum. You imagine yourself doing that. You, or if you don't know what it, how that sounds created, you imagine something else that is inaccurate, but you imagine oh. some way of doing it. That so fits that, your experience like. Yeah. So your yeah. mind is very active. And, and when we watch somebody scratch their leg, there's part of our brains imagining us scratch our leg. It's the only way we, we through empathy, through whatever you want to call it, we participate in their action. And that's why communication is participative. We, it, they often call it a transaction rather than like it's a transaction. We're actually mm. exchanging mm. experience. You know? Well, do you know, I like that because that's like, it means it's not fascism <laughs> if there's an exchange. <laughs> yeah. And, but it also means that we can't be brain in, brain in a jar, like the Matrix idea is fascinating. It can't mm. really happen because you need a body to have these. You can't just be a brain. You, it's, mm. it's all about your physical experience. It's very much, I, you know, this idea of this duality, mind-body duality, mm. doesn't really make a whole lot of sense when you break it down. You need the body to have a mind because your mind is your body, your body's your mind, you know. So anyway, that was at the heart of my um, thesis. And I worked a lot with sign language users and they would create these patterns of gestures. We kind of collaborate on these gestural patterns. We call them gestural motifs. And we came up with these patterns, which were rhythms. And I would score the patterns on in music notation. Then I'd apply these rhythms to melody. I'd apply them to rhythmic or sort of percussion instruments. And I call them a gestural motif. And then in performance, there's it's called the Sense Ensemble Study Number Two and Number One on my website, um, on the works page. I think uh, we did these performances where the sign language users would execute the signs, and the audience would imitate them. Again, this participative wow. kind of experience and we use smoke ring cannons as well okay. you could smell the smoke as well it was vanilla scented yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. so wow you know uh that was they these are very these are they are called them experiments and studies and that's what they are um and uh, on the album to get back to that i include those sense ensemble studies the three of them and also some new work that the Arts Council funded this year, working again with Irish Sign Language users. This time we they came up with, that's the album cover, working album cover. Um, and uh, the basically we came again, up again with patterns and I created uh, a number of pieces of music based on those patterns. Um, and all this, so all the album is all based on gestural motifs and but again like what i find really interesting and you know somebody could say hey george i listened to your album but it just sounds like a bunch of songs that's real fair really a fair point you know <laughs> absolutely 100 percent, and that's what's important to understand is like all i want to do i'm not reinventing the wheel or inventing anything i'm just identifying something that's like anybody that that was always there just a fact to me that music multi-sensory but sadly, we lack the awareness of that. We've always concentrated on the aural, the, the, the herd experience, which is great. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I'm not knocking it. Mm. But I just think that um, we lack the vocabulary. We lack the words to even 
talk about this. So when I was writing my thesis, that was the hardest thing. It's like, so how do you talk about this stuff? How do you, and everything, when you get deeper and deeper into it, they talk about musical gestures. I mean, the conductor's activity is extremely musical. It's, Our, it's, and eye contact as well and body yeah. language. And yeah. it's always there. You're right. It is. It's always been there, really, actually. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. Yeah. And again, I think the, the, the Indians had it right with the tuning up. It's like, that's part of the performance. It's all the performance. And I, mm. I learned that early on, I think, as a performer. Like, the minute somebody reads about your performance, the show has begun, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that's a great point, yeah. They probably understand that better nowadays than ever with social media because yeah. when you introduce something, somebody to a subject, they're in it. The Instagram, it's all this camp. And it, it's probably just harnessing that energy, you know, mm. which is a really positive thing. Mm. Um, it's all part of the experience. And then the experience goes on later when you talk about it in years to come. Remember that time we saw that gig or well, the time I saw the Violent Femmes in... Uh, what's it called? What's that place up on James Street called? Brilliant show, Vicar anyway. Baker Street. Baker uh, Street, yeah. Gordon Gano. Gano. Uh, the drummer stands up. He stands in the middle stage and he stands up just playing the snare drum or whatever, Tom Thomas snare drum. Oh, they're great. They're such a lively act, actually. Great energy yeah. off those. There's just a tree piece, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, so that's the album. There'll probably be, I don't know, 10 to 14 songs. Could be 10. And any any ideas then for like kind of bringing that to the world then off the CD like like um you're gonna do, have you met any ideas about like kind of live things that might happen or are you just for now you're gonna I think that I will have to uh, part of the arts council brief was videos with but Zoom unfortunately affected that negatively I don't think I'll mm. be able to do as much videoing with the the they were girls uh, from the St. Mary's School for Deaf Girls. They were 14 when I first met them in the school, and now they're, whatever, 26 years old. So it's great. Right, they're right. all kind of going about their business, and we had Zoom chats. So I will make some kind of video. One-minute videos was the idea for Instagram. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll put links through the album to that. Um, but um, I think after this album, I might revisit some of those Sung music had like Kahugafon, which was a guerrilla opera. Um, so I might record those songs again, find some singers, work with some singers again. Um, so that's exciting, you know, because at the moment, all of my stuff that I'm recording is largely instrumental, um, which again, I like. I love the idea of just keeping your audience's attention with music alone. Um, mm. I'm not saying singing makes it easy, but it makes it a lot easier. Because you give them well, we some. respond. We respond very strongly to the human voice, like because that's yeah, we're, we're programmed that way to do that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So anyway, that's the story there. Sense Ensemble. Yeah, brilliant! I can't wait to, to for, for 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 when that hits. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about it. It's funny at this point in making an album, whatever a month and a half away from releasing. I think November nineteenth is when I said I'd release it, but. uh yeah, like there's so much that's going to happen. That's it's kind of exciting because I'm so, I'm used to the process now. So I remember a month or and a half before the last one, so much was to come. I would make so many changes in that last month, and you just that's what's really exciting about making music. Yeah, some fr and some fresh energy kind of coming in, and yeah, yeah. it's an adventure. You don't know what's going to happen. You know, uh, I remember I don't know if you know the composer Steve Reich, Steve Reich, however you want to say it. Um, he uh, he said about one of his 
check it for people listening. Uh, check out his early work. He did stuff with tape recorders. We're basically a tape recorder playing this guy that he recorded on the street saying something and would just be this loop. You know, we're very used to loops now. The sample, two tape recorders playing the same sample. And he just put his finger on the edge of the one tape recorder and slowed it down very little bit, kept slowing it down. And gradually it's called phase music. It goes out of phase. Yeah. The first one. And it goes, does all these permutations that we're all familiar with chorus pedals and stuff. Well, his point is, it keep, he knows exactly what the process is. He knows the process, but he doesn't know what the process is going to bring about. And that was his whole vibe. Okay, um, wow. I think that goes for all of us, um, all experimentation, all music making. We, sure, we know we can talk about how to write a song, but you just don't know what song you're going to write. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. You know all the steps. I got yeah. all the words. I don't know the order. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, you're... That's so such a you're, you you you've put that into words. I've been trying to put that into words for a long time now, and you just nailed it. I'm like, that's exactly it. And it's like when we if we approach art and we're it's good to have anchors there, but if we're too rigid, it can really stifle the whole thing. And kind of yeah. back to what I was saying about earlier about you know whether you 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 know trying to keep 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 balanced with our art and and do it in a positive way and be aware of like not getting too burnt out or putting ourselves too much into it. But what did work well for me to to stop stagnation or getting a bit, little bit jaded was to do other bits of art or maybe bits of reading. And, and I, I discovered I love photography. And I think after a week of that, all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow, I think I want to go pick up the guitar again. Yeah, you know so but it was like to try and get back to that part of the guitar and do that with the guitar it just it wasn't really gonna happen it was like just i don't know how to yeah. really put it but um yeah i think in approaching things with that sense of um adventure and even optimism i'd almost say you know but definitely adventure it is really and i did i think way i mean isn't that wasn't it bob dylan and Jimi hendrix that were that really kind of pushed that idea of like like before Jimi Hendrix was really inspired by Bob Dylan as a lyricist because Dylan just has this style again he just goes on it and he just where where he doesn't really know where it's going to go but it 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 comes out and and it works and and Hendrix applied as a as a as a as a musician and composer who uh, and a virtuoso on the guitar he didn't really like his voice or singing and he, yeah. he and he just decided you know I'm going to let go of that and let's just yeah. try and let's just see where this goes and I think he put that he really practiced that with Electric Ladylands and all of a sudden all this stuff was just coming out of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was done in the studio he built, wasn't it? His last, mm. last album, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah no, I, I think you're dead right about Hendrix. Um, he was really interesting. Mm. Innovator. Yeah, so big time. Things. Yeah, big time. And, and really at the dawn, well, you know, it's like all these black um, stars had been around for a long time but they'd all been underground and he was kind of oh he could a lot of new grounds like politically and stuff and like what i liked was that it was essentially political but it was actually more of a social thing it was he wasn't he didn't do it like i mean what i mean that 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 that, um performance of uh star spangled banner yeah, and he didn't say one word yeah. or, or, or say that he believed in one ideological thing. The music yeah. just said it all, and his expression of that and what it meant just to you know, I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna commit to it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then you know, the one of the famous stories of performance when they released Sgt. Pepper's on the Friday night on the Sunday, he was performing in London, and some of the Beatles were there, and he 
at the backstage, I think it's on one of his biography films, but it's true. Like he's like, we've got to play Sergeant Peppers. Yeah. And they hadn't even, like a stunt. Them, hadn't even really heard the album. And he's like, he played, had the record player and he's, they figured out the chords oh. and off he went, you know? Yeah. He uh, did, didn't they do the same with, well, kind of the same with what was a Hey Joe, that famous live performance. And okay. they were stay because I think that was that was one of the tunes that got them kind of noticed. Yeah, yeah and yeah. then whatever it was live on TV, they were like, "Hey, do you know what? We're we're sick of playing this. We're going this one's uh, to uh, dedicate it to Eric Clapton and, and Jack Bruce." And uh, they just launched into uh, "Sunshine of Your Love," and right. uh, yeah, it was a very much like, "No, this is not working. Let's change it up. Let's just yeah. go." Like, oh, oh no. It's funny you forget like all his antics on stage. They were they were that was a long tradition in black guitarists, especially from you know like Chuck Berry, all the jumping around the stage. (laughs) He came straight out of all that stuff, and he brought it again, like a lot of these Motown, into a predominantly white 1960s rock culture. Mm. Um, But then I remember like back in the early 80s when um, Eddie Murphy was talking a lot about the dearth of black stars and mtv you know it's we forget about these things like and it's important to remember them like these are all things i love to talk about but it is important to to think about that and go back because you know it gives us a better sense of gratitude and i think that's another really good ally for all of us is to you know okay look guys yeah there's there's crap stuff kind of going on but there's we also have lots and lots to be grateful for and Mm. going back and looking at history whether it's music history or, or or general history is uh a great uh, resource, I think, um, for people in general, you know. Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing about uh, Martin Luther King was talking to the, I don't know the actress's name, she played Lieutenant Uhura on Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. But she was really kind of had misgivings. She's like this token black person on the Starship Enterprise crew is traveling yeah. the universe, you know, yeah. which is essentially America, you know. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It's the Federation, but it's America uh, representing the three free world. It's really interesting to think about those politics. Mm. But anyway, she's, I think she was talking to Martin Luther King. She got the chance to talk to him. She's like, I'm thinking of giving up work and doing the show because it's just, you know, it's just some token black woman. Mm. Like, Don't do it. He's like, it's really important. It's a really important mm. um, step, you know, mm. for whatever our movement. Mm. I, I always thought that was a fascinating conversation to have, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. George, we'll have to come back. I'd love you. Um, I'd love you to come back. Uh, definitely when, whenever your album drops, and if not before, then you, there's, you're very, very welcome here anytime. Pleasure talking to both of you guys, Chris and Shane. Thanks very much for having me. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, you're, yeah. You're more than welcome, George. And um, yeah, like I said, we'll be in touch. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll even I'll give you a shout uh, uh, during the week, George. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the old bumper here in a moment, and I'll just say everybody again, um, check out George GeorgeHiggs.com is his website. You'll find him on SoundCloud. He's got some great stuff to listen to up on there. And I really, guys, check out his check out his previous works and stuff. If you want, if you want, if you if you want to get a little cheer up going on, just look at some of the stuff this guy's covered. Okay, and and we'd be delighted to have you back, George. Thanks very much. Yeah, okay. Thanks. Okay. Listen, all the best. We chat to you soon. See you guys. Bye bye. Thanks, George. Bye bye. Bye bye. Hello, Chris. That was George. Yeah, George's great. Uh, isn't he? 
Okay, everybody, thanks so much. That was great. I'm still messing up the outros, but we'll get, we'll get to it. Don't worry. We'll get to it. Some days I just feel fractalized. <laughs>
Spreakerverse we'll catch you soon and I hope you enjoyed so all the best Slongafall Slongafall